Don. Yes, Sam? How does AA work? Why, it works very well. Where'd you hear that? I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, it's good to see you. Good to see you, Don. Halfway, okay, all the way across the country. Well, that's true. I'm in Greensboro. <laughs> You're in Palm Springs. How far would you travel for a meeting? Let's just say pretty far. You know, I traveled the world for work for four years, and I've been to meetings on all but one continent. I never got to Antarctica. But one of the ones that stands out, this was such a cool experience. I was in Hyderabad, India. There was a meeting scheduled to take place at the YMCA. So I went on during the day and found where the YMCA was. And then that evening, I went there and I saw no evidence whatsoever of a meeting taking place. So I went to this little information window there and, and asked the guy about it. And he picked up his phone real quick and he dialed an alcoholic. And about 10 minutes later, four or five guys showed up and we all picked up one of these those plastic white stacking chairs and we all went out to the middle of the soccer pitch and there were no lights on or anything. We had no tools, no reading materials, no books, no none of the opening readings or anything like that. And we all sat in a small circle and we talked about our alcoholism and our recovery. And it was just one of the coolest AA meetings that I ever experienced. And it just happened because I showed up and asked about the meeting. You, what? They were waiting for your call, so to speak? So to speak. Apparently, they didn't hold the meeting unless someone came for it. <sighs> but there were these alcoholics who were ready. Oh, that is great. How about you, Don? How far would you travel for a meeting? <laughs> uh, I'd go all the way to the greenest isle on the planet. I'd go to Ireland. The furthest place I've been is Killarney. And I have been a fan of Irish music my whole life. And I'm a performer and played music in clubs and sang. But I sang drinking songs all the time and played in clubs. And I always wanted to go to Ireland because of the strong association I had with drinking and drinking Guinness beer. And I went to Ireland and I was sober. And it grew to be uncomfortable. And by the fifth day, I hadn't been to a meeting. And we were going around and seeing music. So I, you know, I was going to all kinds of sordid places. <laughs> Although <laughs> everybody went to the pubs. I mean, children, women, men who weren't drinking. There was also lots of drinking. It started jumping on me. I was traveling with two friends who were also in recovery. And one of them got on his phone in Killarney when we arrived there at the hotel looked up a meeting guide, said, oh, there's a meeting across the street. <laughs> it was like a, uh, I don't know, 12th century church. And we walked over. Sure enough, there was a meeting there. And sure enough, they said, 
would you open the meeting, tell your story, and you'll do the lead? So <laughs> that does tend to happen. <laughs> I'm right in it. And it was a great meeting. And even though I only understood maybe a third of what was said, <laughs> even though it was all in English, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it still spoke yep. to my condition. <laughs> and uh, you stayed sober. I stayed sober and I was healed, just like always happens when I go to a meeting. Yeah, it's, it's really like, cool what happens when we connect with other alcoholics, right? Right. So we're going to connect today with two alcoholics. One, Terry, who submitted a story to the Grapevine magazine in September's issue, My Friends in the Outback. We have invited Terry to come and she invited her friend Jenny from Australia. Hey, hi, everybody. I'm Terry. I'm an alcoholic. I'm from alcohol. I'm from Alexandria, Virginia. <laughs> Did you say alcohol, Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little nervous. That's all. Okay, that's fine. Greetings, everybody. My name's Jenny. I'm from Down Under in the huge state of Western Australia, which is 10 times the size of Texas, Ooh, wow. if you can fathom that. Wow. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. Something like that. It's huge. Well, Terry and Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. Terry, we can all go to the magazine and read the article, My Friends in the Outback, in the September issue. Terry, tell us a little bit about that story. And by the way, it's on page 40, 41, 42, 43. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's pinpointed <laughs> in the book. <laughs> I have not traveled out of the country. I started doing some Zoom, an international Friday meeting. was looking for something, and Alice Springs sort of popped up. Alice Springs? Alice Springs, Australia. The name of the city. The meetings were interesting. I found the women's meeting. My husband would kind of look at it, and, and I was like, come on. They're all women with one head. There's no two-head women there. They all have the husbands. They may call them partners, but they all have the same struggle to figure out what to feed their husbands, what to cook, when to do meals, <laughs> all that jazz, that husbands that wouldn't do what they wanted to do. All of those same <laughs> struggles. That, all uh, the same struggles that we have here in the U.S., Exactly. Yeah, the difference was in the sobriety date, you know, I would say my sobriety date is January 16th, 1989. Okay. They don't do it that way. Jenny, what's your sobriety date? Aha. Yes, that's right. It's the 1st of June, 2019. Those international date <laughs> formats. <laughs> So you connected with a group of women at the meeting in Alice Springs, Australia. And this has become very important to your recovery? It very much so. In October of that year, that was a convention. And that 55th National Convention, both Jenny and I decided to pay the entry fee of $100. I read that. That seems outrageous for a virtual meeting. 
for a virtual meeting. You betcha. And what turned out was it had a video library. They had Aborigines people speaking. They had Al-Anon, Alateen. There was a way where you could put your information in there and connect with other AAs. There was a, a bill of lowest play. It was just amazing. So it was worth $100. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> what was your experience of the convention, Jenny? Uh, I was just amazed at how efficiently it ran because those sort of conferences now on Zoom are very complicated, bringing in, you know, a number of sources. And <laughs> it was great. It was varied. It was interesting. They did also uh, supply you with a commemorative booklet because we were celebrating 75 years of AA in Australia. Oh, fantastic. We had a lot of uh, your compatriots there too. We had Father Bill W, who uh, does the two-way prayer. He did a workshop. Was a Father Bill W? Yeah, no kidding. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Father Bill W, I know. It's, it's a remarkable coincidence. He's from uh -huh. Texas or he's living in Texas at hmm. the moment. But his two-way prayer was, has been very useful to me and Terry. Mm -hmm. Terry wrote that the story of how AA came to Australia was interesting. From what I can gather, people were interested at medical profession and religious people were interested in AA and they wrote to the United States for information, which was sent back. Then when World War II happened... We had a lot of visiting soldiers who were in AA and also the actress Lillian Roth. She came out and she was a, a great speaker and really fired up people in Australia about AA and groups started. They've been going ever since and just growing and growing and growing. Oh, my. That was about 42 or something, 43. Well, I'm really appreciative of all of that. Okay, Terry, let's talk about getting sober and how in the world did you come to AA? Terry, you've been sober for quite a while. How did you make a decision to come to Alcoholics Anonymous and quit drinking? I realized that um, my drinking was causing a problem. I hated the idea of the hangovers being sick all the time. If it wasn't the headache, it was the stomachache, it was the whatever. And I'm a teacher, or I was a teacher. And to have 20 kids in front of you making all kinds of noises, and you're in a hangover, Monday mornings or whatever, that is absolutely the worst. Oh, I bet. I would start writing on the blackboard. you got to be quiet or you will be writing this forever. Some dumb thing to make the kids shut up. You know, I just, that hangover and teaching didn't go very well. No. <laughs> My last thing was I uh, drank a bottle of cherry brandy for my cough. <laughs> <laughs> Not regular Robitussin, but the cherry brandy was the best for cough. Mm -hmm. Of course it was. Yeah. And I drank the whole damn bottle. Of course you did. <laughs> a little cough medicine works. A lot of cough medicine works better. That's right. You got it. And then I started calling all my friends, but I used all different kinds of language than I would normally use. <laughs> what happened that broke inside of you that said, I can't do this anymore? 
I had some friends that said, Terry, you need to go to AA. Here's an AA meeting. We'll take you there. It's simple as that. Oh, wow. I went with a, a good buddy. We both sat at that meeting. And there was the meeting with a wet brain. And all he could say was, mm. I'm an alcoholic. I'm Teddy. I'm an alcoholic. And he said that for 15 minutes. Mm. I'm Teddy. I'm an alcoholic. And that really made a difference. It, it, took, it took me to realize that my brain cells could be killed so much with my alcoholism that I could be reduced to just those words. I'm Terry F. Wallace. Mm. And I realized I got to do something about it. Mm. That's definitely a wake up call. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. The people around mm. us really do see us going downhill before we see ourselves going downhill. I'm glad your friends uh, stepped up there. And Jenny, what, uh, what brought you to the room? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, basically too much of a good thing. My husband and I have been travelling around Australia for seven years. We're what's called grey nomads. I think you call them road scholars <laughs> in the States. Very clever. Uh, yeah, so travelling around, life is bliss, no responsibilities really. We're older, we're retired, camping by rivers with the fire, get out the wine. Happy hour became like an institution. And my drinking escalated exponentially. Over the decades, I've become more and more sensitive to alcohol. I was a sort I could feel when I had white wine, for instance, I could feel the sugars or whatever it is going up my arm after a couple of sips. I used to say this to friends, do you ever feel that? And they go, no, no, we don't. I so, don't think it's the sugar. <laughs> I don't think it's the sugar is what's doing that, <laughs> producing that effect. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's true because, you know, a soft drink doesn't do that to me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's the alcohol. Yeah. Very sensitive to it. And, you know, circumstances would happen where I overdrank and would want to spew. I think you understand oh, yeah. that term. Mm -hmm. And I would always black out faint and fall and hit my head. And there were a couple of really horrendous times. Thank God for my husband, you know, I'm lying on the cold floor and I can't get up. And hmm. it was sort of like I had to be beaten down to be aware of my hopelessness, almost die, because there was one time I was trying to spew into a kitchen sink and I fell from standing position. I just blacked out fell onto this slate floor and just missed this, this wooden bench. And when I woke up, I'm looking up and not even knowing where I am. You know that feeling, mm. where the hell am mm. I? And I could not get up. My shoulders all twisted behind me. I couldn't get up to even move my shoulder. I hit my head so bad that time that I had vertigo for 11 months oh, afterwards. Oh, wow. So I'm, I'm lying there on the floor thinking, surely I'm not going to die here, you know, spewing out the side of my mouth. It was not a pretty picture, I tell you. And it took a couple of hours lying there. Then my husband woke up and he sees me on the floor. What's going on? 
I couldn't get up. He, all he could do is put a doona on me until I could lift my head. But it took like, I'm saying, four or five hours. And in that time, I, I, I called out to God, but not the God that I have an understanding of now, just like, you know, the God you call on when anything goes wrong before you're in AA. Mm-hmm. How long ago was that? Yeah, that's about two and a quarter years uh-huh. ago. So I got I got sober on the road. Then I tried to white knuckle it myself. I said, I'm not going to drink till the weekend. This was a Tuesday night. I'm not going to drink till the weekend. And my husband went, oh, yeah, whatever. Because by this stage, I'm looking at the clock at 10 o'clock in the morning thinking, oh, my God, I don't know if I can wait till 4 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> and then my brain's saying, well, you know, you don't have kids, you don't have to go to work. What, what's the problem? You know, you can drink. I have a license to drink excessively whenever I like, you know, because society just gives you that whatever. I could tell it was escalating. But anyway, so I tried to white knuckle it. That was the worst time. Well, you know, I, Jenny, I think that is mm. what happens, that we have to learn Because it makes sense. Okay, I'm drinking too much. I need to quit. I'll quit. But I had to learn from personal experience that I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. Because every time I quit and make a solemn vow that I'm not going to drink again, I do. I do it every time. And I did it again and again and again. And that failure was exactly what I needed to realize and hang on to to come into AA and get sober somebody else's way. So you made a decision to start going to Alcoholics Anonymous from that experience? Yeah. Yes, Don. My sister had been in AA right back in the 80s, right? She got sober uh, for 10 years, but then she picked up and that wasn't a pretty ending for her. And in that time, I'd met all these nice AA people. I'd even been to a couple of meetings and she introduced me to Al-Anon as well. She was one of those angels in my life, even though she didn't so-called make it. But uh, I can see her legacy in me. And this idea, we were by a river somewhere and uh, I just thought, oh, I can't do this alone. I know I'm not going to live my life white-knuckling it. AA. Why not try that? But I just, like a lot of people, just thought, I'll go to AA and find out how to quit drinking, (laughs) Uh, not realising there's a whole lot of other stuff that comes with that. That's right. It's all the stuff I drank at. (laughs) So a question to to both of you. Um, Let's start, Terry. What's it like today? So we we know what got you here, but... That is rocketing into the fourth dimension. (laughs) It's so much better. My drinking days were the best life with the smoky bars and uh, throwing darts and shooting pool. Oh, yeah. And now I see the sunrise. I see the sunset. I uh, am able to walk my dog. I have friends. We can go out to lunch. We go out for meals. Yes, there are things that happen in life, but I have people that will drop whatever they're doing. If I have a crisis or need help, they're right there. Such a more peaceful existence, even with all the struggles of the daily life. 
Yeah, we have some well stated someone we can turn to to help, and the hand of AA is always there. That's true. Jenny, what's life like for you today? Beautiful. Yes, it's it's like I, I feel so blessed to be at this stage in my life and to have a new life. I'm not just waiting to die. <laughs> it's like so I've heard the big book described as a uh, treasure map mm. to the treasure. I luckily I had the willingness. I had a little seed of willingness because at my early meetings I'm going, oh yes, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not like you, right? <laughs> I'm a grandmother. And I've been a businesswoman and whatever, and I'm a woman. So identifying was difficult for a while until I met this lady (laughs) who told this story how she fell down an elevator. And I thought, aha, I can relate to this lady. It takes a while sometimes. Some things just gel for you. And I thought, oh, God, I know where she's coming from. That could have been me. Once again, I suppose because of the example of my sister, I realised getting a sponsor working the steps was where it was all at. It's not just going to meetings and then in the process of that, finding my own understanding of a higher power Yes, that now is, is the most, most useful thing I've got. It's the first thing now I turn to and my sponsors taught me that if I'm having a drama, pray first or communicate, make conscious contact before I ring her. And that's great because if all else fails, that's the most important foundation. So in Australia, it's true just as it is here in the U.S. that when you call your sponsor, the first thing they say is, have you prayed about it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And it's true. Yes. Terry, you wrote that the most influential experience in sobriety, other than the fourth and fifth step, was the convention that you went to. And Jenny, what do you, would you say is the most influential experience in sobriety for you? All oh, right. Yes. I think actually, see that my situation, we're traveling around, we're in the remote regions of Australia. And initially when I got sober, I, I couldn't attend many AA meetings. Then COVID happened. And I thought, what the hell am I going to do now? And then I heard the word Zoom. And I really think Zoom has enriched my program so much because I've accessed all your meetings in the States, all the various meetings. Like I attend the uh, primary purpose group in Austin, Texas, where you go through line by line the big book and really study it forensically. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) Heaps of podcasts. I think it's amazing how higher powers working through technology to connect people in this lockdown era. It's so miraculous. What a beautiful way of stating that. Mm, So I'm really grateful for Zoom because look at me, you know, I'm here 5 a.m. in Australia talking to you in the States and we're brothers and sisters Yes, and here it's mm. 5 p.m. <laughs> or 2 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. We got multiple time zones going on. Yes. <laughs> there was one question I wanted to ask. What is Toowoomba? <laughs> Besides a password. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, Aboriginal names for places. 
and they're anglicised, like what we think that they were saying. So Toowoomba, they don't have like a plural either. Like there's a place called Wagga Wagga. They don't sort of understand the S like we do. <laughs> they <laughs> just say it twice, you know. So you have places like Wagga ah. Wagga and Woi Woi. And, yeah, everyone thinks we're crazy. <laughs> yeah, when you take the bus ride to Woomba, there's a university there, there's parks there. Mm-hmm. That was a beautiful bus ride tour of Toowoomba. You think of outback, you think of desert. It's a city. Things like that. <laughs> you think of it almost like New York City. Oh, yeah, we're quite civilized here. Okay. I want to thank both of you for being here. This has been a great conversation. It has been a real joy to meet and chat with both of you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Yeah, great pleasure. A drunk enters a bar with a mason jar, puts the jar on the counter, and orders martini after martini, always dropping the olive into the jar. Here you are, sir, a beautiful martini. Oh, thank you. I'll just drop this olive here in this mason jar. (laughs) You finished that quickly, sir. Would you like another? Yes, I would. Oh, thank you. I'll just I'll just take this little green thing and I'll drop it right here. And <laughs> oh, bartender. Another martini, sir. If you don't mind. Oh, thank you very much. I'll just drop this right over here. Uh, and One more, if you don't mind. One more. Is there a problem with my olives, sir? They are always fresh. Oh, no, no. They're perfect. My wife just sent me out to get a jar of olives. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.